Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I have created this podcast because I wanted a place to voice and share the different experiences that I've run from and how running has been my favorite form of therapy to get through those um, experiences, but I really am just here to share on why you shouldn't run from them, and today is going to be about running from change. So what constitutes change? Um, Change can come from a lot of different things. Changes in people, relationships, living spaces, habits, etc. I've really come to know and learn that change is really a necessary part of life. And without change, there would really be no life at all. I mean, think about it. When you have experienced major changes, major moves in your life, that's when you've really started living. And I think this topic is really relevant given the current state of our world. Um, I feel like the pandemic has really brought on a massive change for all of us, um, for many of us around the world, and this has really created changes in our routines and our lives, really, in general. So how I want to tackle this is kind of sharing first on unhealthy ways that we can react to change as humans and share some personal experiences myself and then kind of go into how we can change those and try and build healthier habits from them. So first off, I think it's really easy for us to try and avoid change as much as we'd like. I think it's really easy for us to get into comfort zones and just try and avoid change as much as possible because you're really comfortable at where you are in life, you like your job, you like your boyfriend. But in the end, you really can't avoid change. It's always going to catch up to you. And for me, that was looking at my relationship with alcohol. And this is something that I've been doing in quarantine and something that I've really had to look at because I think that we normalize binge drinking so much, especially in our um, college years and our early 20s. And this was something that I really wanted to reevaluate, at least in myself, just because I really started to realize that alcohol was my way of coping with change that I didn't agree with. I first realized this when I had to do this big move in the middle of my high school years, and I mentioned this story in a previous podcast episode. Um, I Previous to this move, I never drank alcohol. I was a really great student. I was really passionate about school and sports and life. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I just wasn't super interested in it, and I didn't really see it as anything that would help me in life. But then when this change came about that I had no control over, I got to this new town, and with the few friends that I had made, I was suddenly introduced to this culture of alcohol and partying. And not that I hadn't been before, I think my attitude and my mindset was just different given the circumstances. I still remember a super, super embarrassing um, story, and I can't believe that I'm sharing this publicly, but I I think it was my junior year prom, and fun fact, I've never, never in my high school years, I was never really asked to a dance. I had asked boys to Sadie Hawkins dances at both of the high schools that I attended, but me myself, I had, I was that kid that just never got asked to any dances until my senior prom when my friends had to force someone to ask me. Anyways, 
back to junior prom. Um, I mean, to be fair, it was my first year at a new school and I was still getting to know people, but I had once again not been asked to the dance and I was okay with it. I And I think I was just telling myself that I was okay with it because I was just going to go with my girlfriends and even though some of them had dates, I was okay with it because I told myself it's going to be fine and then there's an after party that I can go to and everything will be okay. And then we get to the prom and genuinely it was like the worst thing and I hated it and I was so, it was just depressing I think for me to be there by myself. Even if I was with friends, it's just like you kind of look around and everyone's with a date and you just get that feeling of not being good enough and so all of a sudden I was just really, really looking forward to this after party and then once I got there, um, because I was, you know, newly introduced to alcohol, I was just like the five-shot wonder that was just like blackout drunk and she couldn't hold her liquor and basically had to be put to bed, um, not even in a physical bed. I ended up being put in the bathtub of the house that I was at. And I think the worst part about this and like every event that I had in college and my early 20s having to do with, you know, having that really big night out and you were binge drinking and you've got a massive headache and massive hangover the next day and you're just laying there and yet again, you still have that same issue that you were trying to use that coping mechanism like for example, alcohol to get away from in the first place. And so I think it just, it took me so long for some reason to learn that alcohol doesn't make your problems go away. And if anything, it just reinstates the change that you're trying to avoid, plus a massive, terrible hangover. I've been reflecting on this more so recently just because in the earlier part of 2020, I was actually living in London and I had just finished a master's degree and graduated and was super, super happy. But unfortunately, the job that I was working in could not continue to sponsor me for a visa. And so I was having to come to terms with this fact that I was going to have to move back to the U.S., And I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but for someone that just completely fell like head over heels in love with London in August of 2017, this was so heartbreaking to me. And all I could do was just wait for this day to come that my visa expired and I had to get on a plane to go home. So suddenly I found myself going out for drinks most nights of the week and getting really drunk. And then even when I got back, when I was especially at home, I was just making drinks like frequently throughout the week, most nights, and even in quarantine, I would just find excuses to do a bunch of different virtual happy hours with friends because it was my way of excusing the drinking and giving myself more opportunities to numb the pain and this change that I still really hadn't accepted even though it had already happened. So now I want to talk about how we can take those unhealthy habits and change them to try and build healthier habits. So starting off I just wanted to say that change is not to be feared or avoided and We should really learn to let go of the fear of change. So letting go of those parts of you that refuse change and those parts of you that do refuse change tend to build up a lot of unnecessary stress within you. As someone who's seen a lot of change in her own life in terms of moving and living in different places and physical changes in my body or things that I don't have 
control over. I think that I've really learned to appreciate change because I think that it's given me the opportunity to have learning experiences and create learning experiences out of those situations that I see as so negative. So I wanted to share some ingredients for a coping mindset from someone named Dr. Robert Leahy, who's an attending psychologist at New York Presbyterian. And for the first step is to adjust your expectations. So I think that that's really important because sometimes we tend to set high expectations or we have this tunnel vision of the expectations that we want and that we expect of ourselves or the people around us. And I think that that kind of can easily set you up for failure. I think it's important to take into account what your situation is and try and create healthy expectations from that. The next ingredient is to not view everything that you once had as essential. And I think this is super relevant to the example that I was just sharing in my move from London back to the U.S. And I used to see that as, you know, I had everything. How could I possibly move back? That was, you know, that was exactly what I wanted. But I think in the six months that I've been back here, I've really gotten the opportunity to reevaluate my life and myself. And to kind of go off of what I was talking about earlier around alcohol, one of the examples of that was that I am almost five months um, alcohol-free, and it's something that I kind of wanted to do just to kind of clear my mind and reevaluate my life. It sounds really dramatic, but I promise that it's not. Um, and it was actually something that I thought was going to be so hard. My initial goal going into it was, okay, I'm going to just take a break from alcohol for a month and I'm just going to focus on jobs. I'm going to focus on applying to jobs in London because that's where I find happiness and that's where I want to be again. And it turned into this thing that just continued and continued. But this only really continued because... Once I took that toxic thing out of my life, I really started to see results and I really started to have a lot of little mini epiphanies about people in my life, about things in my life, and it really gave me the opportunity to change my mindset and reevaluate what I really saw as quote-unquote essential. The third ingredient is to focus on what you can do, not what you cannot do, and I think this is so perfect for everything that's going on in the world right now and I think that there's so much of wanting to go back to normal and you know what is even normal anymore. I think a lot of us have like these big major goals that we really want to do and we really just want it to happen already but I think the more that we put our mindsets into wanting to achieve that so badly it's just gonna again set us up for very easy failure and frustrations just because trying to achieve a massive goal isn't going to happen overnight and you need to have small steps in order to get you there and just really be able to plan it out accordingly. The fourth ingredient that Robert mentions is to go on a politeness binge. And I thought this one was really interesting because I think in this time of quarantine and reevaluating my life and all these little life epiphanies and things, I think that it really caused me to look inwards at myself and look at what type of person I really was. I think I really started to see how much I you know, really wanted to grow up and I really wanted to go and do my own thing in this new city. But I think being at home and living at home for what has been the longest time that I've lived home since high school, 
I have really just been able to see and get to know my family like all over again. It really gave me the opportunity to repair and better a lot of relationships within my family and especially my mom. I've gotten so, so close to her. And even though we were close when I was abroad, I just feel like it's a whole new level of closeness and it just feels like I have this new found appreciation for her and respect for her because I've gotten to know her so much better. And I've really tried to do this in friends as well. And I think it's important to reconnect with old friends and even just checking in for a quick hello and just to see how they're doing. If you see them get a new job on LinkedIn, I think it's really awesome to reach out and say congratulations. If they've achieved something recently, I think it's, you know, I don't think there's any set amount of time that has to go by before you're allowed to compliment someone or if you haven't spoken to that person in years that you're not allowed to. I think people really either get embarrassed to compliment people or get embarrassed by compliments. But I think it's really important that especially in this current state of the world that we're continually trying to lift each other up and just be better human beings. I think there's a quote somewhere, I don't remember who said it, but it's something about, you know, it doesn't cost anything to be kind to someone and just to treat others how you'd like to be treated. And so I think that that, again, just comes from it looking inwardly and making sure that you're respecting yourself because how you treat yourself really is a direct reflection of how you're going to treat other people as well. And the fifth and final ingredient is to think of this as a chapter in the book you are writing. And this is kind of ironic because I am actually trying to write a book at the moment and it's it's been pretty hard. It's not an easy task by any means, but um, I think this is really great because I like to, as I mentioned before, I've started to look at change as opportunities for learning. And I think of change as, you know, I'm going to look back at this and I'm going to say, wow, like this has really helped me as a stepping stone to where I am now. And I really do think that Things even like traumatic events that I've experienced, like things like my eating disorder, I think that it really was negative in the moment, but I think that it gave me the opportunity to be a voice and share that experience with girls all over. All right, everyone. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed it or found it inspiring or connected with it in some way. If you did, I would love to hear about it. Um, feel free to shoot me a message on my Instagram or Twitter. It's just at Liz Newcomer. And I've also created an Instagram for the podcast. It's at Liz Newcomer. And if you would like to subscribe here or follow the podcast, depending on if you're on Apple or Spotify, I would love that. I release episodes every three days and so I would love to have you tune in to the next one. Bye!